G'day, g'day everyone. Welcome to the Chasing Travels podcast, where you can hear about all things travel, conservation, wild adventures, and anything and everything else in between. I'm Alicia, a full-time eco-traveler with a passion to inspire and teach others about this big, wide world that we live in. And I'll be chatting to people from all over the globe who will share their stories and get you excited and pumped up to get out there. All right, guys, let's get chasing. Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Travels. I'm excited for another interview today. I have a fellow Aussie on the line dialing in from down in New South Wales. She is south of Sydney in a little town near Nowra. I've been to Nowra, but I don't know if I've been to the exact spot that you live in. She's been making waves for years now from working over in Vietnam, India and Kenya on give back projects to founding her own passion project, Sonda Youth. She is a woman on a mission to empower people to follow their dreams and missions and to be the change makers that they were born to be. Guys and girls, ladies and gents, today we have Avalon here to tell us all about these projects and how she got here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. How was that for an intro? Did I get it right? Yeah, I feel like you worded that better than I <laughs> myself. So if you could follow me around and say that whenever I have to introduce myself, that'd be sure. Great. But I can be your elevator pitch person. Yeah, that'd be ideal. <laughs> ideal. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Avalon. So I'm going to dive in today with a couple of questions so the listeners can get to know you uh, and myself as well and, you know, a little bit about you. So where are you now? I said Nara, but am I close to that? Yeah, close to that. I'm about 20 minutes away from Nara, so which is, you know, two hours south of Sydney, 20 minutes from the beach. If you kind of draw a triangle there somewhere, you'll find me. I'm okay. in the bush. I'm living off grid, so... You wouldn't find me anywhere. It's pretty hard to find these days. And you live in a tiny house. Yeah, yeah. It's only, it's seven metres by two and a half metres, so literally quite tiny. Wow. It's awesome. That's like the size of my bedroom here. Like it's the end of a big old Queenslander, so I I don't want to sound like I have a huge bedroom. (laughs) To me, that seems really huge. (laughs) And you build this yourself. Yeah, the last uh, two and a half years and I moved into it a year ago and I've kind of just been finishing it off. Yeah, yeah, two and a half years of watching YouTube videos and and figuring out how to build something enormous as this, as it feels to me now that I've put in every screw. (laughs) And so you're in the middle of nowhere? Like, did you buy a block of land with this intention? No, I'm actually, I'm very lucky to have some amazing friends who own a farm around here with wow. you know loads of acres and cows and they've just given me a little spot up in the hills which is so generous of them how so good is that I know what a good deal <laughs> they're awesome <laughs> I'll send this to them and be like hey <laughs> that's you <laughs> a shout out to you guys and so why a tiny house I think I well, you know, we'll probably get into this a bit more, but I spent the the better part of my 20s, about six years, living out of a, a backpack and I didn't spend more than a, about four or five months in any one place. And so to come back to Australia and, and kind of look at the next few years of my life, everybody tells us that, you know, you're supposed to buy a big house and get a, a an adult job and you know, do all the right things. Yeah, so, yeah, when I came back to Australia, I didn't really want to do all of the... The, the ordinary things, the things that everybody tells you you're supposed to do and, and I wasn't ready to buy a house and I didn't want to commit to being somewhere kind of full time 
And I was just interested in these different ways of living. I think that's kind of what you see when you travel so much and definitely what you've talked about with a lot of people in this podcast is seeing all the different ways there are to live. And so coming back here, I wanted to do something a bit differently and to live as gently on the planet as I could, which is yes. where that grid element comes from. So how are you living off grid or like what, what is off grid? Yeah. So I have a really amazing solar system. It's um, it comes in a solar trailer and my favorite thing to do of a day is to go and check what percentage it's had and how much sun have I had and you know like a rainwater tank and a compost toilet and that's kind of all the, the things I guess. That's amazing like did you have any experience in building or any of this off-grid engineering sort of stuff? No no so it was really it was an ambitious project in hindsight I know that at the time I was like it's tiny it'll be fine but there's a lot involved. <laughs> yeah. I learned quite quickly. But no, I, there's, there's so much online and, and there's people doing this all over the world. And I had a, a lot of resources to work with when it came to each step of the build and some really phenomenal friends and, and my family who really stepped up and gave me a hand. And the living off grid part is actually quite recent. I've just only in the last couple of months moved it off grid. So it's a different lifestyle for sure. I have to think about the weather when I decide what to cook. Yeah. Like is my oven, if I use my oven, it's going to drain the solar quite quickly so mm -hmm. I need to make sure it's on a sunny day or that there'll be some tomorrow like yeah it's cool it's really cool to live that closely to to nature I guess I sound like a massive hippie but <laughs> like, hey I love it do you hug a tree every morning every morning is a ritual <laughs> yes I said I would talk to a tree hugger and here we go <laughs> what's been your biggest thing that you've taken away from this like going from Obviously you had this big dream and you thought, yeah, yeah, I can do it. It's tiny. And then you learned a lot along the way. And now, well, you just said before, you're like, oh, okay, that was quite a challenge. Like, yeah. Is there something that you really took home from this? Uh, yeah. I mean, so, so many things. I think I'm, I'm definitely a lot more practical than I ever used to be, obviously, but like, I'm quite independent now, like things that you would be called an expert or get your friends to come and do I'll just give it a, a crack and generally it works out and if it doesn't then I'll give it a second crack yeah. <laughs> I'm living alone so you know <laughs> yeah and thank goodness for YouTube well that's it thank goodness for YouTube maybe that's the takeaway is really <laughs> we live in the, the age of information so if you want to build a house you can build a house with no experience whatsoever <laughs> I love that. I would love to have just a block of land and build something like this. I mean, we lived in a caravan for several months, so it's sort of same, same. Like we had the solar and we had our gas bottles on the front and ask anyone that's been camping with me too. Like I loved going out and checking the solar panel like, oh, we're at 75%. And then by midday, yes, we're at 85. <laughs> and it was only powering our fridge. Like it wasn't like we were relying on the oven or anything. We had the, the fireplace, but still. I loved it and I loved like making sure it was in the right spot, like all the grey nomads that you see on the road. Shout out to all the grey nomads. And you just watch them all day. They they sit down, they read their book, and then they go and move the solar panel. And then an hour later, they go, move it again, move it again, move it again. It's so good. It's like how you pass the time when you're out in the bush. Exactly. I think everyone should have an experience like that just to think about how much we consume and where it's coming from and, and to do that, to monitor, to go out and see the percentage and monitor usage. Mm. It's been a, a really fun experiment when I first moved in to see how much, for instance, the kettle would use 
and then I had like a little just a tiny little heater when it was really cold and quickly learned that that takes a lot of solar so so I kind of would just put on more layers and yeah whereas in a a normal house you just put on your heater or your aircon or whatever without really thinking about it so I think go grey nomads and go anywhere camping that you get to yeah mesh with that much of your consumption definitely I love that oh well this Again, we've just gone off topic from the the questions, but I think that that is so cool. And also you're right. So many people are doing these cool little projects to live a more sustainable life. And you would have a very, very, very small carbon footprint being that you live off grid, you have a small house. How do you go to work? Do you drive a car still? Yeah, I do have to. That's fine. I still drive a car too. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I do have a bike. It's it's new as in second second hand new. Mm Mm-hmm. It's been really exciting to start riding that around a bit more. But yeah, it's been really fun to have, like I'm starting a veggie garden. So hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll start eating more of my own food. And it's really interesting to just think about the ways that you can reduce your footprint. And I think, I mean, it all goes hand in hand with everything, what you're giving out to the environment or I mean, what you're not giving out to the environment too. But then, you know, when you've, when one, you've built that, you've got this satisfaction of, wow, I've built this. Two, you know, you've checked the weather and you've put in effort to actually get power. You're going to have a veggie garden that you actually put effort into and then you eat like, it's so good for the mind and the body. I think like, oh, wow, look at these little veggies that I've grown and I've got my oven on today because I had the right spot, you know, the solar in the right spot. (laughs) It's great. I love it. That's such a inspiration. I'm going to go build a tiny house. Yeah. I mean, I'll send you all the YouTube videos. (laughs) But it, I mean, I, it is worth noting that I'm in a very privileged position to to live down here and, you know, have the lifestyle that means that I can build something like this. And I've got the people around me to support me while I, I do that. So I've been very lucky. To yeah, that's great. Tiny house, guys, if you want to build a tiny house or if you would love to know about more um, sustainable living practices, Avalon's your girl. Here you go. One of many, I'm sure. But yeah, have <laughs> to Happy to chat about it anytime. All right. So let's get back to the traveling, the volunteering and what you're doing now. So you have traveled a bit. You just said before you spent the better part of your 20s overseas. So has that always been a thing? Were you born with the travel bug or did you just get out of bed one day eating your cornflakes and go, I'm going to go traveling? Yeah, I think I kind of, I grew up with it in some ways. I grew up in quite rural Australia in the snowies and my parents were always very conscious of exposing us to things from overseas whether it was kind of documentaries or movies or whatever so they kind of instilled this curiosity in us from a young age to the point that I actually in high school when people would be kind of getting into computer games or whatever I was really obsessed with Google Earth <laughs> remember Google Earth where you could I think you still can probably but you could drop the pin and then walk around yeah different cities around the world that's just what I would do like of enough yeah <laughs> I obsessed with the Colosseum in Rome because I just thought that was insane that, that they use that as a roundabout you yeah know? that's it it's just like a feature yeah, yeah, really bizarre. But so I was pretty obsessed, you know, traveling and, and the different ways that people live and the, the things that I just thought were bizarre that everybody's really used to. Yeah. Like, yeah, but so when I finished school, that was always my plan was just to take off where I could. And where did you go first? Uh, well, so I, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I hadn't saved a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I knew I needed a job. So I applied for a couple of nannying jobs in Europe and kind of any job that I could from over here. And one of the jobs I applied for was in the UK and it was for a like kind of a camp scenario, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a camp leader. 
and I hadn't heard from them for you know a couple of weeks so I ended up calling and when I was on the phone to them they said oh yeah can you start next Wednesday (laughs) and I was on the phone 18 and being like okay (laughs) sure and so I had to you know book a plane ticket and pack about I think it was a Thursday at the time so I had to farewell everyone and yeah and then took off and I was over there for well, not in the UK. I was working and traveling around the UK and, and Europe for a year at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and think you loved it. Post- oh, yeah. How could you not? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And then from there, you continued on or did you come back home and work and travel again? Or Yeah, I came back to get, <laughs> to get money most of the yeah. time. Occasionally, I'd get like an internship or some sort of work overseas for a while but whenever I ran out of money I came back and I was really lucky to have a job here that was it was actually in tree climbing like an adventure oh, yeah. kind of place so it was a fun job to come back to and do a couple of months and then take off again and and I did a, a uni degree as well but I was doing like every uni break <laughs> I was going anywhere that I could you know wow. taking every one of those uni travel programs and applying for a you know, internships and I did exchange in Spain and yeah. So I'd come back just for the face-to-face part of the semester and then go again. And yeah. It was wow. Really- That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was really obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> Can you speak Spanish? Oh, so badly. Yeah. Poquito. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I studied a little bit of Spanish at uni and then thought I'll go to Spain and I'll learn heaps more. But I think just by the time that I was getting quite good, like I could have conversations and I felt I was getting more comfortable than I had to leave. So I think I'd, if I'd done a year, then I, I think it would have stuck. Didn't quite, I didn't quite get there. So I lost it pretty quick. Well, you're only human to lose it pretty quickly. <laughs> Tell me about this volunteering that you've done on, so through my stalking on your website, um, it says you volunteered in Vietnam, India and Kenya. Yeah. So, well, all in different capacities. So Vietnam, I I started working over there. I was working with a company that ran programs over there and then just got really involved with the community that was, it was kind of centered around Hanoi and, and the surrounds of Hanoi. And, and they're kind of like a second family to me now. They really, even through, through this pandemic, we've been talking a lot and keeping up on their lives. It's, it was just an amazing experience to become so immersed in in a community to, to the point of feeling like I was a part of it rather than just kind of an outside drop in to, to experience it and then take off again. I think I've been to Vietnam six times. Wow. Just kept going. Yeah, I just kept going back and forth for a long time. I think that's the beauty of those sort of programs because you really can immerse yourself into the culture. And like you said, you're not just dropping in and out. You get to know the people, you get to experience their way of life, the, the culture. It's such a different experience to just the two-week holiday cruising yeah. around Vietnam, which, you know, if that's all you can do, that's amazing. But if you ever have the opportunity to get involved with some of those projects, it's such a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you see a different side, or well, not necessarily different, but maybe just a, a bit of a deeper side to a particular part of a country if you hang around for long enough. Mm. You, you kind of get get into the flow of of the week and you know what happens on Saturdays and where do you go for for dinner or for drinks and like we went to a couple of weddings while we were over there and just the special things that happen in a community 
Yeah. It's a pretty unique thing to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. And then so you ended up in India. Was this the same trip or was this all separate little trips? India was India was my, the first place that I went after I spent the year in Europe. Okay. So it was a real it was a real culture yeah, shock. Bit of a change. <laughs> yeah. But I actually I think India is probably my favorite place that I've been. Yes. Yeah. Have you? Have you been? Yeah, and it's it's my second favorite. <laughs> just amazing so I've been I think I spent probably three months all up and again I had an internship over there so I was doing some work with a company that that focused on education Mm -hmm. school students in rural communities around Bangalore in the south and so again like you you get to be a part of of a community for for a little while while you're there and and do what you can to progress the projects while you're there not to say at all that you can kind of have a massive impact in a month or even three months but just to be a part of something is mm. so yeah India was incredible and I yeah I had the chance to go and and backpack a little bit around and we didn't have any internet or anything I didn't really have a phone like a proper phone while I was there so we had the guidebook the Lonely Planet yes yeah the most <laughs> used guidebook I think I've ever had for the <laughs> India one it was shocking <laughs> Absolutely. And I picked it up from a hostel at one point. So it was already in yep. I got it. And then I actually think I left it. I don't have it anymore. So I must have given it away or left it somewhere. But yeah, it was that's that's a really amazing experience to show up in a town and have to go through that book and mm-hmm. find budget hostels available and then go to them and ask if they have a room and if they don't then you go to the next one it's you know the sun's setting and you're kind of like well, am I gonna have somewhere to sleep yep and every tuk-tuk driver's got a cousin that has another hotel that's the exact same <laughs> oh but don't worry it's cheaper it's cheaper <laughs> I take you to a better one okay let's go it's either a hotel or it's like a shop so yeah <laughs> how would you describe India in a sentence it's the most vibrant piece of humanity I think I've come across. Yep. There's just so much life and flavor and color. Really, it was it was so welcoming and, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, but yeah. Again, you just you can kind of be walking down the street and someone will invite you over for dinner. Mm. And then you'll, you know, meet the whole family and yeah. There's some people I met in India that I'm still in touch with and would love to see again. But it's really I think it's it smacks you in the face at first and then it just kind of it holds on to you and never lets go. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. We should write that down. That can be in the (laughs) the guidebook. (laughs) How would you compare India to Africa? I didn't spend as much time in Africa, so I don't know that I'm the best person to ask. But yeah, in Kenya, I was catching up with someone that I'd met in Malta at a a conference of, of young social change entrepreneurs from all around the Commonwealth which was just amazing in and of itself. But so this guy ran a company called Computers for Schools Kenya and they were getting downgraded computers from companies all over the world, like Canada and the UK and and servicing them and distributing them to to regional schools in Kenya so that they had access to to the internet and to different, you know, things like Word to Mm -hmm. the right documents. Yeah, so I went over there and spent a couple of weeks with him and his family and it was, again, like I don't think, I don't think I've done like the, the checklist kind of travel in a few years Mm -hmm. so I you know that's why I don't think it's fair for me to compare because I didn't really do much travel around Kenya or even any anywhere else in Africa but I I got to know this family and and that company and the people around that really well which was like an entirely different experience I think. No the reason I ask is because I haven't been to Africa I've been to Morocco so yeah I haven't been to any other countries there but the way 
I think of Africa is sort of similar to how I think of India being like the vibrance and the colors and the, mm. just that craziness of India. That's yeah. what I picture in Africa for some reason. Yeah. Well, there was like Nairobi was crazy. Yeah. The, the buses there are kind of like they're privately owned, most of them. And it's like a, I don't know, like a car race. Some It's sort of like really, like there's so many buses going from one place to the other and they all, like the drivers seem to know each other. And, and when they, they picked us up from this friend Bonnie's house and the time it took us to get into the centre of Nairobi, there was just all this chaos on the street and it felt like these buses were kind of racing to get there. <laughs> and then you get to this kind of bus depot in the middle of town and that all of these buses are like beautifully decorated and they have themes to them. I remember one was like a, like a dinosaur one. Oh. Just like these massive dinosaurs spray painted all over it. Another one was like fire. And so like they're just kind of packed in next to each other. And I just, you know, there's no other place I've been that the public transport is quite as exciting. <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, there was another side to it from what I saw where we went out maybe four or five hours from Nairobi to the west, northwest, where Bonnie's family was from. And I met his 108-year-old grandmother. Oh, wow. Who had never, she, well, she told me that I was the first white person she'd ever seen. Yeah. And that I looked like a ghost. Oh, <laughs> nice to meet you too, Grandma. <laughs> well, yeah, translated through Bonnie. I think you might have put it more politely. <laughs> but, yeah, and they were living out there with no, she'd never lived with electricity in her house like water from a creek and they farmed mm. animals out there and so Bonnie's dad grew up there and then moved to the city and and started this company that Bonnie's now taken over but just a, a phenomenal experience because out there compared to Nairobi and especially compared to India was so peaceful mm. so quiet and I think the people at least that I came across that lived that far away from everything didn't have they didn't bring any of the chaos of the city or you know anywhere else to their lives it was quite a tranquil life from what I saw yeah it sounds amazing sounds like paradise yeah let's yeah. go call Bonnie we're coming yeah, as soon as this thing's over we'll be over there yeah definitely <laughs> there's a long list of places hey yeah <laughs> for everyone I think <laughs> So do you think that these experiences in these countries and the programs that you've been involved with have led you to where you are now? A hundred percent. Yeah. I have always found that seeing people in their own environment living in, in completely different circumstances to my own, whether it's a living situation or a family situation or uh, how the, the community operates, it just made me want to live differently to the way that we grow up living here or not even necessarily to live differently, but at least to, to know that there are other options. And so in terms of work, is that is that where we're going with this? Oh, I mean like everywhere because I was then going to ask, well, explain what you do, what your project is and what you've created. Yeah, well, so outside of the tiny house in terms of living differently, I one thing that always inspired me when I was traveling was seeing people like Bonnie or like I said, my friend Terry in Vietnam, people who would see something wrong and do something about it, mm -hmm. whether that's environmentally or socially, economically. I was always so inspired by those people who would step up and do the thing. And so when I eventually came back home to Australia for a bit of a longer stint, I really wanted to ignite that that passion and, and give people a platform to do that thing surrounded by a community of change makers. Mm -hmm. And so that's when that's kind of where I started Sonder Youth. This it's a not-for-profit that I've been running for four years now. And it's it's focused on teaching young people the, the skill sets and the mindset to step up 
and do that thing. Wow. So, all right, let's, let's talk about Sonder Youth. What does it mean? What does Sonder mean? Well, so the word Sonder actually came from me on a travel that I was on. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was one of those really amazing nights where it's like a, a one night only thing. I was in Cinque Terre in Italy and had booked the cheapest hostel in Cinque Terre. And there were only three other people there. So there were four of us there for one night only. We were all moving on the next day. And we just had one of those really beautiful nights where you all kind of really click and and have so much to share and you go quite deep. And we sat out there in the summer for for hours until the, the, the light came up, really. The sun came up. And the next day, I got a message from one of the people that had been there with just the word Sonda and the definition. And I'd never heard of it before, but the definition is everyone, like the realisation that everyone you've ever seen or met is living a life as intricate and important as your own. Wow. Yeah. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) That's what it felt like. When I read that, I was 18 at the time and I'd spent seven months travelling and meeting new people and it really epitomised that that experience, that realisation that, wow, like everyone that you see in, in cafes and driving by in cars, they're all living in a world of their own that is just as interesting as mine. Mm-hmm. And I think that understanding kind of, at least for me, it underpins that desire to step up and do something because mm-hmm. it acknowledges that here alone, it's not individ- individualistic. We're, we're living in a world of billions of people who are all going through stuff really beautiful stuff and really hard stuff and if we all just tried to do one thing to make it a little bit better in any way that we can imagine how much better we would all be so that's kind of where Sonder Youth started and certainly where the word applies thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk that out because now now I don't really get to talk about the word I just talk about the work yeah That's easy. That'll lead into it. See, I, I told you, we just let you do the talking. Yeah. Okay. So that is something really beautiful. And I'm just sitting here just sort of mind blown because every single conversation that I've had with doing this podcast and like some of the interviews that aren't out yet, all of these conversations have this same undertone of, yeah, like small steps, big differences, community, empowering, lifting each other up, mindset, just walking and talking the talk it yeah it's just amazing and sort of having a little this is amazing that we can all connect moment and i hope that the listeners are picking up on this common ground too that is just coming out through all these people that i'm talking to you guys that are making huge differences in the world and you are empowering other people to do that so that's amazing that was just a little side note feeling that i'm having there that i thought i'd share so tell me about then the program and, and what, what do you do? Where did it start? I mean, obviously the, the name started there, but you came back to Australia and started something. What is that something? Yeah, well, so initially it's been going for four years and there's been a couple of evolutions of it. But initially we were doing travel programs because that's how that, that Sonda, that realisation happened for me. I just thought if we can get people out there from as young an age as possible to grasp 15 or 16, that there's just so many other ways to do things. Imagine how that could change their next steps. So, you know, those transition years of, of stepping out of school and into uni or travel or work. If you had an international experience, how could that inform your decisions, whether it's personally or to, to you know, be a change maker and step up or whatever it is. So we started with trips to Vietnam to that amazing community over there and we ran a couple of those and then I was very fortunate to connect with a community in Tonga 
not long ago and we had our, our first trip planned to Tonga before, you know, the big thing happened. Yep. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it started with travel programs and then we, we were running some stuff on the ground here on the south coast of New South Wales too, which are kind of, I don't want to say education program because that makes it sound really boring. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> but it's, it is, it's kind of, it's like a, it's a platform, a community yeah. of young people where we, we develop these, these skills and, and we talk to people about what their thing is, what their passion is, what is that, that one thing in you that, that really bugs you, whether it's, you know, like plastic waste or if it's like racism or fast fashion, anything, what's the one thing that really bugs you the most? And then what can you do in your community with your network to make a difference about that thing? Because I think that's a pretty big barrier for a lot of people is that little voice in your head that goes, yeah, but I'm one person, I'm too small. Yeah. But we're not, Mm. you know, we're all connected to so many people in so many different ways. And so first of all, identifying what your thing is and then looking at your potential for impact is the second thing. And then we talk about projects and project design and so we've just we've had some amazing young people down here pull off some really phenomenal stuff and so next year we run we work with teenagers at the moment and next year we're introducing a primary schools program for the first time oh wow which is really exciting we've had some schools come to us and want us to run something like that so we're gonna have such an array of projects from people who are as young as you know nine or ten up up to 18 creating ripples of change wherever yeah absolutely and those young ones like they blow me away the the little ones we we have school groups come through where I'm working at the moment and the questions that they ask are it's a question that we would ask but they ask it in such a different way that it makes you think oh hang on a second I actually have to think about this or like where did you get that from to ask that question and yeah, they just blow you away. They're little brains that are just sponges and they're just ticking, ticking, ticking all the time. So how good is that? You're going to be working with the young ones. Yeah, I'm really excited because you're right. It's There's a different mindset. It's kind of before you've been conditioned to mm. think a certain way. I think when maybe it's, I'm, I'm definitely generalizing, but maybe it's when you reach high school and you kind of have to go through some kind of difficult transitions. When you're still in primary school, I think you've still got a lot of curiosity. Generally. Yeah. <laughs> So what have you seen from your project? Like I, so how we met for the, the listeners tuning in was at one of the little youth conferences that we did down there. And the energy in that room was just amazing. Like Avalon and her team had everyone up and they were in, in groups themselves. And yeah, they were picking out what thing that they would love to be part of that change and what they were going to do. And this, it was three or four days, right? Yeah. Three days. Yeah. Three days. And just seeing these young leaders evolve from, you know, a little bit shy and some of them knew each other. And then by the end of it, it's just one big whole happy family. And yeah, I love it. I, well, I loved that. And it's so yeah. cool that that's all still going for you. And you've been able to keep it all running too, throughout all this crazy times that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's been a challenge, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it has. <laughs> in that, on that conference, they loved you. I just yeah. remember them, like so many people would come up to me and be like, have you spoken to Leash yet? Oh. So much cool stuff. And especially like the, the conservation and work with turtles that you've done, that's, it was just a dream for so many Yeah, teenagers. Yeah. So, I, I still have some of them on social media. So oh. I'll often like have a little look at what they're up to. Yeah. No, and awesome. some of them from that conference, I think are now working with your team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we kind of, we do what we can to to offer employment opportunities, but 
certainly kind of leadership opportunities however we can for people coming up through the program mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of I'm 27 now so I'm old mate I'm 29 <laughs> <laughs> oh I know it's sad one of them told me that well indirectly told me that I should have kids by now <laughs> yeah. thanks Things thanks go. for your opinion but <laughs> no thanks yeah, but um, yeah, so they're kind of doing a lot of the face-to-face these days, which is really cool. It's kind of most of them have brought a project to life themselves and sort of mentor other young people through that experience is enriching for them. Yeah, I would, um, I would love to try and connect with some of them too that are making these changes and at such a young age, they're just taking the world by the hands and going for it. Yeah, I mean, when this is over, I think we absolutely have to run some sort of travel program together yes yes <laughs> definitely many- we talked about it we talked about yeah. it so we've got to make it happen that's right it will happen and yeah so many of them that are into conservation and you know a lot of the environment projects I'm sure they would love you still to this day they'd love to hear from you <laughs> hopefully so what does the future see for you like what's what's the the goal what's the five-year plan I love Sonder and I love what we do and I think spreading that message and the, and the platform to create change as far as we can is something I would love to see, just to it, to see young people stepping up and, and doing such an array of incredible things. So to see that happening all over would be amazing and I get to work with these incredible people. So I think that's, I'm kind of sitting in my future for the time being, yeah. my house and, and my laptop with Sonder on it. So. <laughs> Oh, well, that's great. And I'm so keen to see to what what still comes of all these young ones and what the future is going to bring. And we're definitely going to link up. I want to go to Tonga. I'm coming on that trip. For sure. I'm really excited about it. I think that'll be awesome. And right up your alley for sure. Yeah. So where can people find you and follow along with your journey? Well, my my personal one, which is mostly just me and my house. Yes, (laughs) that's important. Yeah, that's avalon.ho. Avalon, like the the beach or the aeroplane or no airport, sorry. <laughs> and then um, Sonder Youth, S-O-N-D-E-R, Youth. That's where you can keep up with our work. Beautiful. And I will share all that in the show notes as I do with all the episodes so all these people listening can tune in on what everyone is doing and connect if they should feel inclined to connect and follow your, your journey to make big ripples, <laughs> ripples and waves. I've got one final question for you. And being that you've listened to some of the shows, you might, you might know the, the question that's coming. If there was a stage in front of the world and you had 30 seconds to talk to the world about anything that you want, what would you tell them? Yeah. So this one, it stumped me when I heard you ask it in in the first few episodes, but I had time to think about it. Unlike them. So thank you. (laughs) But I think I would just say that we can do better. There's so many ways for us to do better and that you can do better where you are. So start where you are and start now. Boom. All right, Avalon, this has been so good and I'm so excited to see what you come up with. I'm finishing every single episode and I say this at the end of every chat, like, yeah, we should chat again, but I definitely think we should because, I mean, all these people that I'm talking to and connecting with, you've all got such amazing journeys. So I just want to be a part of the journey and I want the listeners to join in where they can. And yeah, if... If anyone is listening and they feel inclined to make a change, then our job here is done. <laughs> Hopefully more than one person, but yeah. Putting so many of these people in the same place. It's, a, it's been such a nice community to join when you're kind of so isolated through COVID. So yeah. And this is just the beginning, dude. All right, matey. Well, until next time, thanks again for joining in and we will keep in touch. Thanks, Lee.
Alrighty, guys, that's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you got any value from this, you learned something, or maybe you laughed just a little bit, hit the subscribe button, share it on your socials, and make sure that you tag me, Alicia Petrie. That's it from me. See you next week. Have a ripper day and get out there and get chasing.